0: Welcome to the Money and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Nelson. My mission to empower millennial couples to make money moves that won't just improve your financial health, but strengthen your marriage as well. In this podcast, I share stories, tips, and tricks, both from my experience as a certified financial planner and from my own marriage, to help you and your spouse kick financial anxiety to the curb and use your money to create the lives you love together let's get started i'd like to welcome you all today to the most controversial episode of the money and marriage podcast to date how do i know that this is going to be the most controversial one because i've talked about it a few times this concept in, in public a few times before and every time i always get a lot of interesting comments right i i Um, Always they'll hear from a couple people who this really resonates with and helps them kind of think through the right ways to take action in their plan rather than just thinking about it. And that's why I keep doing it. Um, Today, I want to talk to you about a concept um, that I have come up with or that that I've termed the spreadsheet wars. And I actually have a graphic of an Excel spreadsheet that that says spreadsheet wars in it in the Star Wars font. Uh, which I'll I'll try to link to. I'll try to remember to link to in the in the description here. Um, I want to talk to you about the spreadsheet wars today. What in the world is does this expression mean? When I talk about the spreadsheet wars, what do I mean? Um, you know, I, I really view the spreadsheet wars as a state of being more than anything. And so, you know, you are fighting in the spreadsheet wars when you spend you know fifteen minutes uh, searching every bank account on the internet that you can find because your high-yield savings accounts only paying 0.6% interest but you you're pretty sure you can find one out there that pays 0.65% interest you know um, half of one you know a half of one-tenth of one percent more um, and that's such a better deal that you're gonna like haunt your entire life and start trying to to find a better deal and to, to to go into that's an example of a spreadsheet war uh, that, you, that you could be fighting, right? Um, it, one example we've talked, another example we've talked about here on the podcast in the past is if you're trying to decide whether or not you should be investing your money versus using extra money to pay down your student loans and you, um, you know, run a big forecast or ask somebody like me to run a big forecast for you that says, okay, well, if, if I invest my money and I can earn 8% um, per year in the stock market uh, over you know, 120 months, and the interest rate on our student loans is only 7.3%. So that means that when we forecast that out, like I'm going to have so much more money if I just make the minimum student loan payment um, and invest everything else to get the 8% rather than focusing on paying down the debt and getting only 7.3%, right? There's that, you know, 0.7% difference that's that's going to make it, like, just look at the numbers, look at the spreadsheet. How, how could I not choose to do that? Great example of spreadsheet wars right Um, diving into the data as a way to as the only vector you're using to make the decision you're trying to make um, that's what i'm really talking about here and there are three problems with the spreadsheet wars Um, i as somebody as a recovering spreadsheet warrior myself i'm a financial planner i like to do modeling love me some financial models Um, i have found that they don't tend to hold up very well in the real world when we actually put down our our spreadsheet sword, stop fighting in the spreadsheet war and then go out and operate into the real world in our in our in the the course of our day-to-day lives our spreadsheet map doesn't tend to hold up very well and there are three reasons why first and foremost is risk Right, particularly when we're doing things like modeling out expected investment returns and so on, right? We know that our like the only thing I can guarantee you, in a, if you're investing in a way that you're hoping to earn eight percent per year on average, is that your account is almost never going to actually earn eight percent per year. It right. might average out to that in the long run, and you know, looking into what you can expect your invest your your money to make it, is 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 fine and something you should be paying attention to. But but when we are trying to use that as a decision-making tool, um, your your account's not going to make eight percent this year. It might make fifteen. It might make negative thirty. It might make twenty-seven. It might make negative four. It might not grow at all. Like we just we don't know, right? There's a range of outcomes that are possible, and there's risk involved. And so on the on the investment side, when we put together investment portfolios, um, you know, we adjust the rate of return for the risk that we're taking right you, you can't just compare a zero risk um, bank account to a very very high risk investment in terms of trying to figure out what the right thing like what you know which the right one you know which is the right one to pick we need to adjust the high risk investment return downward a little bit um, to factor in the fact that there's risk involved right we call it the risk adjusted return in the investment world and we don't do that in our spreadsheets. That doesn't tend to show up, I find. And so when we compare investing at eight percent to paying down a seven point three percent interest rate loan, when we when we adjust that investment, you know, the risk, the risk adjusted return on the investment portfolio down a little bit to the guarantee versus the guaranteed seven point three percent interest rate you could you could quote unquote earn by paying down the loan faster, all of a sudden that math starts to favor pain down alone a little bit. right? But you, you you don't tend to to do that when you're when you're just looking at the averages, which is what we tend to do naturally um, when, when we are you know, kind of get into this line of thinking, right? Pull yourself out of the spreadsheet, right, and understand that when you're actually executing on this in in real time there's more there's more to the picture. Risk is one piece. The other piece is it you in know, and the probably the biggest one from my point of view is that you know, by fighting in the spreadsheet wars, it, it it lets you or it tricks you into thinking that precision is possible in financial planning over a long period of time. And it's just not, right? It, it, it just isn't. That's not the way the real world works. Right? Uh, if you find yourself saying, as I hear a lot of financial planners go out and say to people in a non-ironic way, right? Um, you know, So you're saying if I invest $500 at the end of every month for 20 years and make 7% a year, I'll have $260,463.33 at the end of 20 years. But if I only invest $200 a month rather than $500 and spend it, right, I'll only have $104,185.33. Forecasting it down to the penny like that over, over a long time horizon is not possible. Precision, in the world of financial planning is is just not a reality right we can make our best guess about what we think the future is going to look like and start working toward it but we need to continually be you know have our have our head up and and look at what's happening right how are things changing how do we need to adjust right here you're, when you're fighting spreadsheet wars on paper like making that type of analysis about how much you're going to have over 20 years and treating that as a gospel truth, you're 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 ignoring the real life decisions you're going to face. You're forgetting that at the end of year 10 in that 20 year time period, your hot water heater is going to break, and so you're not going to save that for a handful of months while you pay for the hot water heater, right? You know, you're 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 ignoring the the months where you forgot to to make the investment changes you were hoping to make, or you forgot to go in and rebalance, and so you're all of a sudden your portfolios off track, you're overexposed to certain investments, which which completely throws off the long term the, the long-term projections. It takes a lot of discipline to consistently do this like a spreadsheet does each and every month in the real world and not be tempted to sell when the market's down or you know any any of those things, right? There's there's so much unknown here. And so tricking yourself using your spreadsheets into thinking that you could you you have a precise understanding exactly what's going to happen. Um, it's just not possible. I actually do my financial plans in in, in terms of a probability number, right? You know, because we just, we don't know what what things are going to happen. And so we we make our best guess. We kind of control for the range of outcomes we think are likely and we focus on the next step. And once we get to that next step, we take it, We pick our head back up. We reevaluate, make sure we're on track, then take the next step, right? A, a good financial plan does not live and die in a spreadsheet a good financial plan understands that spreadsheets are um, it, it's just a point in time you're capturing and we need to think through other things. And the, the other piece of this, the third reason why I, I discourage people from fighting in these quote unquote spreadsheet or even though I'm math nerd myself and like to do it um, it's just the flexibility that you have sometimes when, when you when you make decisions that aren't just based on the numbers but based on what's happening in your life. Right. Um, you know, debt's a really good example of this. actually like, you know, I, I do find that people look at you know, low interest rates on auto loans or things like that and, and don't think they're a big deal to to um, to keep around. And that's a conversation we can have for another day. But what they miss is that, like, what could you do if you didn't have those things in your life? Right. If your mortgage was paid off and you didn't have any you know, any debt whatsoever, like what options would that open for you? Right. Could you quit the job that you hate that you, you can't right now because you can't afford it? Like, Would you move to a dream home, start a business, things like that? Like those those things don't show up in the spreadsheet wars. They don't live there. They live in the real world. And like they're actually the more important decision criteria for these things. Right? just keeping flexibility out there is really important. I would not have been able to start Pace, or, pace Center Planning back in 2016 had I not made some lump sums of payments in my student loans early on in my career, right? It opened the door and it just allowed me to be more flexible. And for a while in between when I made those lump sum payments early in my career and when I started doing financial planning with people, I was kind of kicking myself thinking I'd be, I maybe could have made more money doing other things. But in reality, right, the, the steps I took at the time just gave me more flexibility, right? It, it's, it's not about, any one thing or any one factor. It's a state of mind and a state of being, right? Use spreadsheets to help you think through the consequences of the decisions that you're facing, not as the mechanism by which you are making the decisions. A good financial plan includes these things, includes these projections because they help give us context, but they're not the, the hill on which we like plant our flag and are ready to die at least not good financial plants don't right put down the sword if you're a spreadsheet warrior put it down right use them as tools but understand that there's a lot of other things that you're probably missing when you're living in spreadsheet land right the the, the spreadsheet wars are something that a lot of us are really just inclined to do in the way we think about making financial decisions, I'm going to encourage you to take a couple steps back. Focus instead on setting the right goals with your money rather than trying to predict the precise outcome of what things are going to happen. Then focus on what's the next step you need to take in order to get there and continually reevaluate from there. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Money and Marriage Podcast. If you want to learn more, you can access my favorite money exercise for free if you head to paysetterplanning.com slash money and marriage. Again, that's paysetterplanning.com slash money and marriage. Get your access today, and I'll see you next time.